You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Welcome to another episode of Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Today, I'm here to tell you about Shaking Nations. Now, I'm skipping the separate intro style for this podcast because, again, I'm not having a guest. I've been really bad about guests the past few weeks, honestly, and uh, there'll be more guests coming up starting next week. But, you know, this has been an interesting season. Now, I'm just roping in the vision casting to this podcast. We're going to be talking about Shaking Nations, but I do want to just say at the outset of that, that part of that, that understanding of how to shake nations, like literally shake nations, right, comes from a revelation on how the creation is designed, literally how the mechanics of the spirit realm work at very, very deep levels, because with these keys... Shaking nations actually comes into the realm of possibility and inevitability, not just theory and hopefulness, right? So what are we doing? We are releasing a course called Realms and Dimensions Unsealed, the first level four course at the Bride Ministries Institute. Now, if you haven't visited our website recently, go to brideministriesinternational.com and you will find that there are all kinds of things on there. And one of them is our Bride Ministries Institute. You can also go straight to the Institute at brideministriesinstitute.com. But essentially, we have broken down nine courses into three levels. And those levels are to help you decide, you know, where to begin taking those courses and which courses are best fitting you where you are in your journey with Christ. Well, we are adding a level four (laughs) for this course specifically. And I'm going to say this. Um, You you ever heard the the, the quote, right? You can't handle the truth. (laughs) Well, some of you can't. And the truth is that this course on Realms and Dimensions Unsealed is part of the truth that some people can't handle. So I'm going to say this again, and I've been saying it as we've been ramping up to the release of this course, right? The, the, The platform that we use won't let me block off courses with in order to put prerequisites in. I, I, I called them, I asked, they said, no, we don't do prerequisites um, and, and block off courses that only become available to those that are taking the prerequisites. So, so I have no choice but to say, hey, it's available to anyone, but please um, don't make the mistake of... <laughs> Biting off more than you can chew. Now, some of you are going to hear this and say, this is reverse psychology, Dan Duvall. Simply because you said that I can't handle it and I should probably start down there, I'm going to get it anyway. And you know what? Can't stop you. But, well, can't say I didn't tell you so. Now, I am going to do something that many people have been waiting for, right? Even me. I've been talking a lot about this DID coaching school because we do a lot with DID at Bride Ministries. We, we, we create solutions for survivors of satanic ritual abuse, government-sponsored mind control agendas, so forth. And we've been building this institute, right? But we're moving towards the DID coaching school from day one. Well, time has arrived. I, I recently received several prophetic words. You know, you know, it's like, it's not one, it's not two, it's a few people, they're all saying the same thing. Daniel, you need to reproduce yourself. And, I, and I, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of making disciples of Jesus Christ. And and for a long time, my whole agenda was point people to Jesus and make sure that people are as least like me as possible because we don't need any more Dan Duvalls. Well, the problem is we kind of do need a few more Dan Duvalls. We, not that you need to talk like me or, you know, uh, wear the kind of clothes I wear and grow a beard, especially for you women. Please don't grow the beard. <laughs> but... um. We do need more people that know how to map the way that I do and bring healing and deliverance and breakthrough to others the way that I do. I've developed a very, very sophisticated and effective system, truly, of getting people set free. And, And the fruit of that is this ministry and the vast array of testimonies that we have from people that I've worked with over a period of time and those that I've just sat down with for one or two hours only. And I want to impart 
my strategies and the way that I do things and have learned to do things to others. And God is calling me to do that now. He's saying, Daniel, you need to raise up disciples that actually function the way you do, right? So what does that mean? Now that we have the Institute, we're going to move into what I'm just going to call the DID Coach Mentorship Program. And my goal is to graduate 12 people through the first phase of what's ultimately going to become the DID Coaching School. But right now I'm building it, so I'm in a first phase kind of scenario where there's going to be, (laughs) you know, a, a few bumps along the road. We're going to be experimentally releasing an approach to teaching and releasing people that I believe is going to work very, very well and is going to be somewhat cutting edge. And, and and so, yes, what we're going to be doing now and in, in, in the next few weeks, and I haven't outlined everything, so this is simply the heads up. Uh, we're going to be putting out a an application type process, making it available for people to apply to be part of the DID Coach Mentorship Program. Now, ultimately, what is this program designed to do? It's, it's designed to actually release people into their own DID coach uh, business, their own DID coach business under the umbrella of Bride Ministries. We, we, we want to bring more ministers onto our platform that minister with the same DNA that we are establishing in-house. And we also want people to, well, achieve financial independence and all the other benefits that come with uh, you know, running your own business. And, and, and so what does this mean? This means that this is going to actually be a, a little bit intentional and very demanding <laughs> because I don't want to release chumps. I want to release champs. And you know the difference between a chump and a champ? <laughs> the letter U, right? So <laughs> that's a good one, right? You can use that. Uh, now, I'm going to uh, just say this. Uh, we're working out the details, but there are going to be certain qualifiers. Not everyone's going to qualify to even make it through the application process. Uh, and, and we're going to be looking for things like stability. We're going to be looking for things like uh, character. We're going to be looking for things uh, okay, uh, that show and reveal a person that is fertile ground before even beginning the process. Now, after that, we're going to have a prerequisite before we get to anything that is live and, mm, you know, here in Dallas, right? Because we're going to have trainings that occur here. And so there's going to be a a requirement. You're going to be able to have to have the capacity to travel. You're going to have to complete the entire Bride Ministries Institute from grace to the realms and dimensions unsealed course with a minimum percent average score on all of the quizzes, right? So this is going to be a process that's going to require learning. It's going to require equipping, and it's going to ensure that those that make it through are standing on really strong ground. Anyway, uh, that's coming. There'll be more details in, in, in the coming weeks. I'm going to be doing a lot of homework on the on my end, in order to prepare this, I'm going to be writing case studies. I'm going to be putting together teachings around our ethics, which we have recently released on our website, our coaches' ethics. Um, we're, go- we're going to be uh, preparing other things as far as the live trainings are concerned. So look forward to that. It is happening. Now, we've translated a lot of our prayers into Spanish. I want everyone to know this, right? We don't just have English prayers on Bride ministriesinternational.com. We now also have oraciones, Spanish prayers for all of your Spanish-speaking friends and family members. Get those and be sure to share them because we made them for you. Now, uh, one last thing, and then we're going to really begin talking about Shaking Nations. I'm beginning intentional work on the Prayers That Shake Heaven and Earth Volume 2 book. I plan to release that later this year. This book is going to have prayers Um, such as freedom from earth systems, freedom from the Kabbalistic tree of life, freedom from constellations, um, things that we haven't even released on our website. We're going to put the entire strategy for praying for a city, keys to spiritual breakthrough and transformation of a city that we've been working with as a result of our intercession for the city of Dallas beginning in 2017. Okay, it's like um, uh, over 20 keys of how to pray for a city with all of the language. All of that's going into this book plus 
more, how to remove spirit. I mean, I mean, all kinds of things. And so um, prayers that shake heaven and earth volume two will be basically prayers that shake heaven and earth on steroids, um, not for the faint of heart. So it's, it's, it's all coming down the pipeline. Now, getting to the, the real point of why I'm here to talk to you, <laughs> shaking nations. I have talked for a long time about sheep nations. I, I, I've been on this. The first draft of uh, Kingdom Government and the Promise of Sheep Nations, a book that I wrote, was written in 2010. Okay, that, that, that's when I started writing the book. And between the years 2010 and 2014, I wrote the book over and over and over and over again. I kept on expanding, revising, adding, uh, correcting, rethinking. I mean, I don't have any project that had more time that went into it than Kingdom Government and the Promise of Sheep Nations. Now, this also happened to be my first book that I actually didn't lose money on releasing. It, you know, for all of you aspiring authors out there, let me tell you, I understand. I, I'm, I've been through it, right? The same as you. <laughs> you release a book and you go negative. It costs you more to publish it than you make. It's okay. But this was my turning point. I had released two books before this. Both of them went negative. This was the first book that I released that went positive. But it really didn't perform that well. Not compared to Higher Dimensions and certainly nowhere near the kind of performance that we've seen on Prayers that Shake Heaven and Earth. Day and night. But yet this book probably had more intentional work go into it than any of the other books I've written at all. And I've been talking about Sheep Nations intentionally since the time I released the book in 2014. So we're talking 2014, 2015, uh, 2016, 2017, 2018. Now we're at 2019. I've been talking about it on and off for about five years. And, and this is one of the conversations that's probably been the least received by people in general. I, I, I just It never really seems to catch attention. It, it, it just, you know, we talk about SRA and DAD, we talk about spiritual warfare. I mean, it's just like all these subjects, really, we talk about deliverance. I mean, people just latch on. They're like, I get it. But I begin to talk about sheep nations and people are like, Meh. I don't know why. So here's what I did. I was like, you know, I was talking to my wife. She's like, this is so important. You know, because she read my book, <laughs> like many of you. <laughs> and and she was like, it changed my life. She, Kingdom government and the promise of sheep nations. Daniel, it was really, really good. I'm like, well, wonderful. I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> what else am I going to say? A lot of people didn't really read it. She said, you need to make a course on this book. It's very important. So I made a course. It's called uh, The Kingdom and the End Times. It's on our Bride Ministries Institute. Can you understand that no course I have done on the Bride Ministries Institute, we've done nine, has sold less than the kingdom and the end times. That, that is the lowest selling course on our institute. And it is deeply and thoroughly researched and based on the book Kingdom Government and the Promise of Sheep Nation. So, so I'm sitting here... I mean, for years, just wondering, like, is this message ever going to become valid, like, in the eyes of people that are following this ministry? You know, I'm, I'm recording this podcast on the front end thinking, ah, this will probably be a lesser listened to podcast, but I'm not going to speak that. I'm going to speak that by faith, people are going to begin catching this concept. And so I have two strategies here. One, I'm going to talk to you about shaking nations. Okay, And then two, I'm going to give you a coupon code at the end of this podcast to get the Kingdom in the End Times course on our Bride Ministries Institute for cheap. So listen to the end, get the coupon code, then get like the whole teaching because it is, I mean, it has so many, I think it was 11 different sections in that course. It's a massive course, a ton of material. So anyway, coupons coming now. Context is everything, and this is what bugs me so much. I, I think that one of the reasons why people have not grasped this this idea, this concept, you know, the idea that God is actually going to transform nations through people that are alive on earth right now, that it does get that big and go that far is because 
everything comes back to context and people can't step into their calling because they don't understand the times and the seasons. So, so let's say you have a person that has in their DNA to build, I, 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 okay, let's just, let's, let's just pick on rockets. Okay. They have it in their DNA to work out all the math to build a rocket that sends something into orbit. Okay. Above the earth's atmosphere. And they are born in the year BC 2230, right? Way back there. And it's like, no one's really building rockets or, 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 or maybe we just make it, you know, 1850, right? No one's building rockets at that time. So the person has this context, like, like, like this capacity to do something, but they're not in the time and season for its release at all. So they don't have the opportunity to even release their gift. But let's say that same person is actually born in, you know, 1970, but they are born in a context where they have no access to education or anything else. They're boxed in. There is the capacity for their gift to be released as an expression of, you know, advancement, moving the world forward, yet they're locked out of the um, uh, uh, administration of their capacity by circumstance. And the most painful thing for me, and I'm going to just say this, is that religion, religion, religious thinking and bad theology has been the lock on the box of much of the body of Christ, confining people to a limited view of what is available for the administration of their gift set by which they can honor God. I mean, and so, you know, we've said things like, oh, you know, the absolute pinnacle of Christian expression is becoming a pastor. I, I, I can tell you right now, it is not, okay? Half the pastors that I meet don't even want to be pastors. They're like, ah, <laughs> I can't believe I'm the one that got stuck with this job. Like, it's tough. Pastoring is hard. It's hard work. I, I mean, I tried everything in my power to not be looked at as a pastor. I mean, I literally built a church <laughs> that I didn't have to be in live attendance at in, in an attempt to not be an actual leader. And, and, and of course, it fell on its face, and now we're doing things the way we're doing it, and I've embraced my office in the body of Christ, and all is really growing and, and, and well, praise God. But truly, pastoring is really, really tough. I respect pastors. It's tough stuff. But, you know, people, people, they go up and down and it's like, no, pastor is not the pinnacle of Christian expression. I'm sorry. The, the pinnacle of Christian expression is the full embrace of a person's calling in whatever sphere it may be. And so when people get locked out of the ability to fully embrace their calling in whatever sphere it may be, they can be locked out. And, 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 and the problem that many of us run into is that, see, the, the body of Christ in a, a greater context, you know, looking broadly and seeing where people are camped at in different mindsets, there, there, there is, unfortunately, a bit of a misunderstanding of times and seasons. You know, there's a lot of people that are just asleep altogether. And many of you that listen to this podcast know many of them. And that's why you're listening to me. <laughs> but then there is a whole other group in the body of Christ, brothers and people that I respect and enjoy listening to sometimes, but who actually do believe at the core of their being that the plan, the time and the season we are in is a time of the escape, the great escape. We are going up and out, and we are going to get bailed out of this mess. That is God's plan, right? And so because we understand the time and season in what has been coined a, a dispensational pre-tribulation eschatology, pre-tribulation rapture eschatology, we, we have boxed our parameters with this idea that any kind of calling or expression of... Mm, uh, 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 assignment in the body of Christ that does not look to or acknowledge the need for a great escape is invalid. As a matter of fact, there's a whole other arm of the body of Christ that have, uh, have, have gone into what's called dominionism, which is mm, partial preterism as, 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 as in proper definition. 
that says, look, we're here to build kingdom on earth until Jesus comes, that the other camp is radically opposed to actually calling heretics, right? And, and I've looked at both sides on this subject, and you can do your own research. Some of you already have. And, and it, well, you, you see this diametric opposition almost. It's, it's, it's like the two camps can't even tolerate each other to an extent. <clears throat> Why am I saying all of this? Well, sorry, pre-tribbers, I'm not in your camp, okay? Um, I wouldn't classify myself as a full-on dominionist. I actually am what you would call a historical futurist. I believe what Irenaeus and Hippolytus taught as far as the coming of the Lord situation, where I don't think the church gets a get-out-of-jail-free ticket, and we're not up and out of here. We have work to do until he comes. And when he comes, it's not to catch us out of here. It's to meet us here and transform us. It's, and, and, and there's so many scriptures that get into this, but one of them is clearly, you know, when, when the Lord returns, we shall all meet him in the air. And the word translated air in the New Testament passage written by the Apostle Paul is actually the Greek word I air, which means the air we breathe. There's no indicator that believers leave earth in physical bodies going to heaven for seven years in that scripture. We meet the Lord in the air. That is the air we breathe because we are staying here, but in a transformed state. Anyway, there's so many passages and, and a lot of this we get into in the course kingdom and the end of times because, you know, for some people they need the step-by-step, and I think many of us need the step-by-step breakdown of this second coming context. What really to expect? But, but I'm coming to the main point, which is, look, some of us are boxed out of our callings because we were not told what the time and the season is. We were told it's a time for escape. Really, it's a time to build. And many people are afraid to build because they are impaled by their belief system. But one of the things the Bible says is that guard your heart for the issues of life flow from the heart. Proverbs 4.23. What is that word issues? It comes from the Hebrew word for border, meaning that the border of what your life can express is determined by what's in your heart. And if in your heart, the plan of God is escape, 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 you know, you can't actually connect with a calling that requires you to be outside of that box altogether. And that's why I've gone through so much effort to break the box with calling teachings and this whole course and a book and so on and so forth, because there is a whole company of people that I need to partner with, people that God needs to release in the earth to shake nations that are locked out of their calling because they believe they're on board for a soon coming release from this planet. And they have done their Christian duty by showing up at church and warming the pew with their little badunkadunk. Okay. <laughs> Um, I have a problem with the idea that faithfulness in the church is defined as a well-applied badunkadunk to a pew. Faithfully Faithful application of the badunkadunk is not the kind of Christianity that God has led me to embrace, okay? If the most spiritual application of your life is the application of the badunkadunk to the pew, we have a problem. And that has been kind of the approach for some of us because we're like, if I just sit down enough times, I'll be caught up with those that are rapture ready. And it's like, uh, mm, eh, we might want to rethink that. And God is about building his kingdom from the beginning of the New Testament to the end of the New Testament. You know, God is not actually teaching escape. There are all kinds of passages in the New Testament. Like, you know, um, (laughs) We are made more than conquerors in all these things through Christ, which loved us. Like, like there's actually this call to overcome, not to escape or to run away like little cowards or to think that God looks at us as a bunch of little cowards that need to be escaped. 
No, uh, many people have been locked out of their calling and the actual breadth and length and depth and height of their calling, just how big it really is because they don't have context. And I'm tired of that. I'm tired of small thinking people, people that get offended at the idea that a company of people is actually positioned on the earth strategically to shake nations right now. And they are one of them. That is highly offensive to some people. How dare you think that big, you know, like, I'm here to work a job and make $30,000 or $40,000 a year and be faithful to that. Like that's my whole call. Well, no, that's part of the proving process. Maybe as you are moving from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. So stay faithful in season. But, but truly many of us, many of you listen to me because I carry a frequency that you resonate with. It's in my presentation. It's in my voice. It's in my faith. And you harmonize with it. That's why you keep listening to me. But you're like, I don't know why I'm drawn to Dan Duvall. He's crazy. He's a little out of his mind. And he says funny things sometimes. But man, it, this guy's a little bit of a mess, right? But yet you keep coming back. It's like, why do you keep coming back? I call it Dan Duvall crack. <laughs> this, I mean, this is some of you, right? You find my podcast and you're like, ah, I got to get some more of that. And then you start itching and you, you're like listening to me at night and you're listening to me in the daytime. You listen to me at work and you just keep listening like, like Dan Duvall crack. Why is there Dan Duvall crack? The answer is because there's a frequency behind what I'm producing. And I'm telling you this. So you understand your situation. <laughs> Because the frequency is unlocking something in the earth. And I'm not the only frequency, but there are other frequencies that harmonize with mine. You may find yourself listening to them as well. We're unlocking something in the earth. That is, we are unlocking a generation that will shake nations. And people that are called to this radical paradigm shift operation shift and manifestation shift need to be unlocked into that. And so you keep coming back because every time you're listening to something, something is breaking, something is shifting, something is moving, and you're coming more and more into harmony with what you were sent here to do and to be. It's about times and it's about seasons. And I am here to tell you that if you are on that Dandoval crack, there is a high likelihood. And I'm not talking about real crack because this is so much better than that garbage. <laughs> Just so, so you all know, I'm do not smoke crack. Okay, that is bad and sin. I'm not preaching that. And, and I'm sorry for all of you that are offended that I would associate me, my name with, with that. But it rhymes kind of. So anyway, um. <clears throat> I want to talk about times and seasons, okay? Uh, the book of Esther begins with a situation in which the king named Ahasuerus summons his wife, Queen Vashti, and she refuses to come, okay? And this is all chapter one of the book of Esther. In verse 12, after the king summons her, it says, But the queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command by his chamberlains. Therefore the king was very wroth, and his anger burned in him. Then the king said to the wise men, Which knew the times? For so was the king's manner toward all that knew law and judgment. Now here's what you need to understand here. The wise men, that is those that were shaking the nation, that King Ahasuerus ruled over, were people that understood times and and seasons. See, if you're going to be a world shaker, one of the prerequisites is that you understand the times you are living in. If you are living outside of the context of the season you're actually born into, it is highly unlikely that you are going to be a world shaker. You need to come into harmony with the times. You need to understand the political arena. You have to understand the general... Um, disposition of the society that you're in, what's going to be embraced, what's not. There, and, and, and when you come into a level of understanding and operation on that level, you're able to move at top levels of influence and be trusted in those positions. So the wise men that were in the king's court were all men which knew the times, right? Uh, and 
And these particular times had a, had a certain aspect of culture where women were really not respected the way they are today in American culture. But they understood that. And they understood that a queen of Queen Vashti's level or rank disobeying the king would actually produce an upheaval throughout the entire society. Uh, now, probably not. But then, absolutely, upheaval. Why? Because how dare she? And so, so um, I'm not endorsing what these guys ultimately did or the path of logic. I'm trying to explain a concept that there is a certain requirement that we understand the times if we are going to be entrusted with a high degree of influence in the world we are occupying. Now, Esther chapter 1 continues, and it says, you know, it records the king, Ahasuerus, asking the question, what shall we do unto the queen Vashti according to law? Because she has not performed the commandment of the king Ahasuerus by the chamberlains. And it says in verse 16, And Mimukin answered before the kings and the priests, Vashti, the queen, hath not done wrong to the king only, but also to all the princes and to all the people that are in all the provinces of the king Ahasuerus. For this deed of the queen shall come abroad unto all women, so that they shall despise their husbands in their eyes. When it shall be reported, the king Ahasuerus commanded Vashti the queen to be brought in before him, but she came not. Likewise shall the ladies of Persia and Media say this day unto all the king's princes, which have heard the deed of the queen, thus shall there arise too much contempt and wrath. If it please the king, let there go a royal commandment from him, and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes, that it be not altered, that Vashti come no more before King Ahasuerus, and let the king give her royal estate to another that is better than she. And when the king's decree which he shall make shall be published throughout all his empire, for it is great. All the wives shall give to their husbands honor, both small and great. And the saying pleased the king and the princes, and the king did according to the word of Mamukin. Now, Mamukin was able to give this advice based on his understanding of the times. He's a shaker. He's actually shaking the nation because his advice determines policy that runs the next, you know, period of years that are going to transpire in the book of Esther. Right? One man's advice steers the whole nation a certain direction. Now, God is trying to put his agents in these positions in this time. This is one of the reasons why we have a message going around the body of Christ known as the seven mountains, which helps us to define what those spheres of influence are that God wants to release his, you know, Mamukin uh, company into people that could steer a nation based on their positioning and understanding of the times and also the power of their anointing. Now, with that said, I don't, there's no evidence that Mamukin was a follower of Yahweh God and he, 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 he simply was in that position. Now, anyway, moving forward in the book of Esther, we find a quote. You know, many, many people use this quote. For different things. But this whole quote kind of backdates to chapter 1. And what happens there? And in Esther 4.14 we find Mordecai talking to Esther. And he says, For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise from the Jews from another place. But for you and your father's house, you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Right. So Mordecai understands the times as well. And you know what? He's sitting in the gate. And this is what we need to understand. Mordecai is doing something called activation. He's actually speaking to Esther to activate Esther into an application of her calling for the time and season she was born into. She is shaking a nation by stepping into her assignment. Now, uh, understanding where the future is going helps us to characterize the nature of the assignments that we have not been able to embrace. Many people that listen to me, you have not had permission to fully embrace the size and scope of the greatness seated in you. It's so big what God has put on the inside of you. You don't have words for it. That's why you're trying to find them. 
And, and, and Esther may or may not have been in a similar situation, but here comes Mordecai. What is he doing? He, he out of an understanding of times and seasons, he is unlocking Esther. And Esther becomes a deliverer of the entire nation. If you read the rest of the book, which we're not going to go into in this podcast, but if you read the rest of the book, she uses her position as the one chosen to be the new queen in order to influence the king to not commit genocide against the Jews. And you know what? In the future, things are going to go much bigger than that, right? Things are going to go very, very big. I'm here to tell you who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Yes, you, you, you listening to me. Remember the the, the difference, you, between a champ and a chump is you. And for all of you narcissists and self-centered people out there, the difference between a champ and a chimp is I. <laughs> so get over yourself. <clears throat> anyway, uh, a similar statement is made in respect to the children of Issachar in 1 Chronicles 12.32, which says, And the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do, the heads of them were 200, and all of their brethren were at their command. See, the, the, the children of Issachar had a certain wisdom. They understood the times. They understood the seasons. And what I'm here to tell you today is that at different times, different strategies are required. The strategies that worked in 1856 will not work in 2019. Some people spend so much time studying revivalists of the past and moves of God of the past and trying to reproduce them in the present when really what we need to be understanding is the frequency of heaven for today and the heartbeat of God for our generation. Because the strategy that God deploys in 2019 looks different than anything we've seen before. So we can't camp. And, you know, I, 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 there is a trend, and you can actually map this throughout the body of Christ, that many denominations were started on the basis of a move of God and ended when the people chose to camp and not embrace more. So you actually find a record of the moves of God in the past through the plethora of denominations that we see in present day. And and, and and so whenever you have a group of people that follows God on a wave of restoration of truth, they will typically follow it to a certain point, articulate their doctrine, camp on what they're working with, and when the next wave comes, they say, we will go no further. That's not God. That's another spirit. And so another group will grab that. They'll create their own denomination or even come out of their old denomination and go but so far and then camp again. And so there's a record hidden within the denominations of the moves of God that have occurred from past to now. And you see different approaches to how to engage communities, how to engage people with, you know, uh, the power of God and, and the application of the word in order to bring transformation. And, you know, the, the interesting thing is uh, it, 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 those that are most closely aligned with the frequency of heaven for right now typically are the ones getting the most results and the most fruit that is actual, actually measurable and verifiable in this day and hour. And that's one of the reasons why at Bride Ministries, our whole agenda is to demonstrate what it looks like to pursue the belief system of Jesus Christ because while we are all going to certainly differ on theological points, if we are all after the belief system of Jesus, we will all ultimately come to the same place. And so what, 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 what are we doing? We're staying in harmony with the frequency of heaven because what Jesus Christ may be highlighting to his church in 2005 is not going to be the same thing he's highlighting in 2015, which is not going to be the same thing he's highlighting in 2019. And we want to stay in sync with the frequency of heaven for maximum fruit. 
And one of the things that people are synchronizing with, unfortunately, are paradigms that have nothing to do with the heartbeat of heaven at all. And I can say that with great confidence because I've done all the theology and I've outlined it all. And one of the things I can very confidently say is that escape is not on God's agenda for the coming years in the body of Christ. It's not about escape. It's about conquest. It's about advancement. It's about moving kingdom agendas forward in the earth, liberating people, liberating cities, liberating states, and liberating nations into the glorious liberty of the children of God that are coming into an, 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 a, a demonstration, a manifestation of their true nature in Christ. That is bringing prosperity and blessing and debt, freedom and justice where it has been missing. And so how do we become change agents on that level? Answer, we have to understand the times and seasons. And for many of us, we have to be unlocked. We have to just simply be unlocked. Someone has to come along like a Mordecai and tell us, is it not for such a time as this that you have been born into the kingdom? And then we have to say, yes, yes, it is, because this genius that is on the inside of me, these strategies, these novel concepts that have never been really fleshed out or even attempted before is the wisdom of heaven for right now. You know, what works under one political climate will not work under another political climate. You need unique solutions to different circumstances throughout history. What works in one economy will not work in another economy. Different strategies need to be deployed depending on the circumstances. And it truly takes a higher wisdom to be a change agent and not just learn how to benefit from an existing system. Some people learn how to work with what they're given. Other people arise to another level where they're actually able to graft in kingdom reality and superimpose it upon current circumstances so there is a fundamental shift into alignment with heaven you know the whole earth is out of synchronization with heaven and that's why so many things go on on the earth that are not being signed off on in the third heaven where god is king and this is why jesus says in matthew chapter 6 pray our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven i'm telling you a key the reason why things have not worked out in your life isn't because God didn't want them to, but because earth is out of alignment with heaven and fundamentally needs to be brought back into synchronization. And that requires a lot of work because there are a lot of legalities and deep agreements, covenants, bloodshed, iniquity, and so forth, holding earth in a posture that is out of alignment with heaven. And it's going to take a powerful company of people, and I would suggest the most powerful company of people to ever walk the earth at one time to bring it out of that state on behalf of city, states, and nations. But this is the generation I know is alive on the earth today. Many of you listening to me because you're part of it. Now, many people are wandering around, right? You're feeling altogether detached from purpose. We have to stop trying to solve tomorrow's problems with yesterday's solutions. I'm here to challenge us to step into a harmony with the frequency coming from heaven to move into phase and into season with the solution sets that reveal the deep giftings and callings that are planted on the inside of us in this generation right now. This is not a season to prepare to escape. It is a season of terraforming. When I hear about all the stuff that's going on in the news and, and different things going wrong and I hear people get up on their platforms and talk about and get rapture ready, I, 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 I'm sorry. At this point, I just scoff. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, you could get rapture ready. But I'm telling you that I'm getting terraform ready. They think. That the devil has so much power, we have nothing on him. But I know for a fact that Jesus has more power than Satan. And if I'm working for him, as long as I am on this earth, I'm going to give Satan a reason to cry at least three times a week, if not more than that. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be a weekly thing. Satan, take this and shove it. I'm here to make sure that there is a company of people that rises up that makes the devil groan when he gets out of bed in the morning. 
You've been the one groaning when you get out of the bed in the morning. And I am here to tell you there's a generation that's here for terraforming purposes. And we that have been bullied are going to learn how to be the bullies of the powers of darkness in spite of the head start that they have. You know, God is real good about letting the enemy get a huge head start. He's like, yeah, you build your armies, you build your systems, you build your kingdoms, you build your economic policies, you build all of this. Now watch this. You know, when I saw the cathedral of Notre Dame go up in flames, the first thought that came to me, and some of you are hip to a lot of the stuff that goes on in the deep darkness of the Roman Catholic institution. Now, not, I'm just going to say this. I've met many wonderful Roman Catholic people, but there's a deep darkness in the Roman Catholic institution. I don't care who that offends. It's true. And when I saw Notre Dame go up in flames, knowing that that, that building, that edifice is a part of that system, the first thought that came to mind is what they have worked to build over hundreds or even uh, thousands of years is in this generation being brought down in days. The acceleration in this season is so quick. And there are so many things that I would never tell you on this podcast that we are tracking in real time from the work that we are doing, seeing events and news and all kinds of things in the earth break out in direct response to things we are doing in the spirit. And and we're just simply the forerunners of a whole generation of people that are here to terraform. It's a season of terraforming. And I can tell you as a terraformer, one that is watching it happen in real time, we're just getting started. I'm going to tell you a little story. I was recently in Texas, uh, um, in Austin. And I mentioned this in my last podcast. We skipped a week because of my travel, so I apologize to those of you that missed your Dan Duvall crack. But we uh, we went to Austin on Sunday night a couple weeks ago because we went to the committee hearing on House Bill H- 896. Now, House Bill 896 is a piece of legislation that will effectively end abortion in the state of Texas. It's, it's beyond a heartbeat bill. It will end it. And it's like a big deal, right? And so when I heard that this bill was going to the floor, God was just like, go. And I was like, I have to go. So my wife and I drove down to Austin, spent the night, and did some strategic prayer. We prayed that evening before the um, hearing, and we prayed the morning of it. We did some strategic territorial warfare using some of the keys that I have not released publicly, but... Uh, we, we did this work. It was our assignment and we went to the, the meeting, the, the committee hearing at the state Capitol. I will tell you this, and this hasn't made big news around the United States, but well over 300 people showed up not just to show support, but to actually give verbal testimony to the committee in favor of the bill. Every argument that the pro-life camp has for why we should maintain abortion had an actual testimony from someone in that circumstance. I'm talking rape, incest, uh, people that were... Uh, with disabilities from the womb and so forth, giving testimony in opposition to the bill and saying, I'm the example they use to say, this is why you should get an abortion. And you know what? I don't buy it. There were about 10 or so that showed up in favor of the, uh, in opposition to the bill to say, we're pro-choice, don't pass it. The overwhelming majority of people in Texas that showed up to the state capitol are in favor. And and this is not normal activity. Usually, the pro-abortion camp really shows up for stuff like this. What was the difference? What's going on in Texas, right? I'm telling you, 
a shaking is happening. Now, do they put this on the evening news in Ohio? 300 plus people showed up to give verbal testimony to House Bill H96 in Texas and only No, actually there and I'm, I'm going to tell you this. There is terraforming happening all over the United States right now. All kinds of incredible things. Pedophiles are going to prison in mass. I mean, and there's things that are happening but but see since the mainstream news and Project Mockingbird, Operation Mockingbird, controls the narrative. The meta narrative paints a different picture from them. All of these different news outlets that are part of the agenda. But yet, right under our noses, things are happening in local places in different areas that are of magnificent significance, that are being hugely influenced by the prayers of believers that simply are not working their way into the corporate consciousness because the narrative is being controlled from the top. This is one example, and I was there to see it with my own eyes, my wife, and uh, I'm telling you, we are in a season of terraforming, and God is working to terraform the planet through the children as their gifts, callings, and mandates lead to the redemption of cities, states, and nations. This is why I talk about sheep nations. I've been on this for years. Eventually, someone's going to catch on and say, wait, this is a message that I need to latch myself onto because I'm part of this company. I need the grid. One of the things that God told me when he first started me on this end time journey, you know, I, I wrote my first book, Noah's Ark in the End of Days, which was a break from the, the whole pre-tribulation rapture camp I used to be a part of. It was the beginning of, well, a whole lot of left foots, right? Left foot of ministry. Some of you are familiar with that. He said, Daniel, you can't even understand who you are in my kingdom until I help you to get out of this box. You can't even receive your calling. You can't understand the instructions I'm going to give you if you don't understand the context, if you don't understand the time, if you don't understand the season, and if you don't synchronize and harmonize with the frequency of heaven. You cannot step into who you are with what you are believing. And so he began a journey with me, and that turned into Noah's Ark in the end of days, which then rolled into a whole lot of other stuff. Because he had to break me out of this artificial box and i'm not saying that it's malintentioned people that have per- perpetuated the belief in the, the this this box all, all i'm saying is it's just wrong and again I, i've covered this in other podcasts i'm not going to get into my whole theology on a on, on, on the rapture question you know please get the course because that's where i i take the time to break it down what I'm talking about is is a bigger meta-narrative, right? The meta-narrative is that we are in a season of terraforming. We are in a season of kingdom expansion. We are in a season where we are to reveal the wisdom of God to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. To take our assignments that position us for influence over city, states, and nations because it is now the time. In Isaiah 61, we see a prophecy of the coming Messiah. And, and people get real messed up on Isaiah 61. And I need, to, I, I need to go there, right? The Bible says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. This is all really good stuff, right? The whole ministry to survivors of satanic ritual abuse, the government-sponsored mind control agenda, comes back to this verse when God says, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted because dissociation is a modern-day term for the biblical term brokenheartedness. Because when a person goes through the heavy degrees of trauma, their soul shatters and the soul fragments that manifest as voices and parts and alternate personalities live in the region of the subconscious which is the heart and therefore dissociation is a manifestation of brokenheartedness boom right 
Proclaim liberty to the captives. I talk about regions of captivity, not here in this podcast, but you can get it in our school and all other places. Um, getting people out of spiritual prisons that have locked up their gifts, their humanity, their destiny, all these things, right? God is opening the prison doors through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And the journey that we take is the learning the application of all of these things. Well, people quote, you know, uh, not just Isaiah 61, but Luke chapter 4, where Jesus quotes Isaiah 61 and come up with this discombobulated theory. I'm going to tell you about it right now. So the Bible says in Luke chapter 4, verse 16, So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So, so what happens here in this passage, Jesus starts to read Isaiah 61 and stops. He gets to the, the part where it talks about proclaiming the acceptable year of the Lord and stops. And so people say, oh, look, Jesus stopped. That's where Isaiah 61 for the present age stops. We're here to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty the oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. But the day of the vengeance of our God, that's not till the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so goes it with the rest of Isaiah 61. Everything else is for after Jesus comes back and a millennial reign. So we take all of these promises associated with the Isaiah 61 ministry and put them off till after the second coming of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus stopped at this part and closed the book. And I had a revelation, which I believe was God-inspired. Jesus did not stop at that point because the rest of Isaiah 61 was not on the agenda until he came back in a second coming context to incept the millennial reign, but because it wouldn't be fulfilled until the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. One of the things the Bible says is that Jesus Christ has disarmed principalities and powers, triumphing over them, making an open show of them in it past tense. Why would the Bible say that in a past tense framework? Because the day of vengeance that Jesus took on the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, which he struck down with his great victory, gaining all authority in heaven and on earth, happened at the cross. So Jesus fulfilled all of this portion of Isaiah 61 prior to his death, burial, and resurrection. But at the death, burial, and resurrection, everything else transacts so that we step into a new covenant Christianity having the mandate to express the full extent of the Isaiah 61 ministry in this world. Why, does I, why, why do I need to correct for this fundamental flaw in our Christian thinking, which has been stinking? It's been putrid. Right, Because people think that God has no agenda to render vengeance on our enemies in this day and hour. We think all these principalities, all these evil beings, they're messing us up because they're taking assignments from God against us and God enjoys watching us slither under their hammering. No! God hates what they've done to you and wants to punish them with great vengeance and destroy their systems, their timelines, their bases of operation, their war rooms, their governments, and everything else that they stand for. And he wants to use you and your case of justice to do it. And we need to understand that we live in a time and a season where it's time for us to get on board with the terraforming agenda of heaven. Boom. So <clears throat> when we continue reading, right, Isaiah 61, 
this is what it says. And they shall rebuild the old ruins, right? So, so, so when, we, when we get out of this thinking thing, what we learn comes back on the agenda is that God is now ministering the day of vengeance. He's ministering comfort to those who mourn. And this is the part w- which really gets me, right? Because people, they, they, they teach this, you know, this Luke perspective and, and, and idea that, that nothing else in Isaiah 61 applies. Yet most of them would still agree that we can get beauty for ashes, as part of our inheritance in Christ in this age. But the beauty for ashes doesn't come until after the day of vengeance, right? So we come back to Isaiah 61, verse 3. It says, To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Guess what? All new covenant Christianity. And that continues to verse 4, which says, And they shall rebuild the old ruins terraforming agenda. They shall raise up the former desolations, terraforming agenda. They shall repair the ruined cities, terraforming agenda. The desolations of many generations, terraforming agenda. Your whole bloodline is messed up and you were sent to redeem not only your bloodline for your children, but your bloodline going back generations because your ancestors were ignorant of what they agreed to. We're here in the Isaiah 61 mandate to repair the desolation of many generations. Why am I suffering? Why was I born into an SRA family? Answer, you are repairing ruined cities and the desolations of many generations as part of your mandate in addition to everything else you're going to do when you come out on the other end of your battles. You are part of a terraforming generation that's going to do more for the cosmos than I think any generation has ever done in all of history up till now. Verse 5, strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. The sons of the foreigners shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. We can't as Christians understand a world in which we are the ones making a way for the financial blessing of those that haven't even learned to worship Jesus Christ yet. Building the wealth of the nations. And employing the name. We're the, we're the employees right now and we're broke, busted, and disgusted. The Isaiah 61 mandate puts us on the other side of the equation. Verse 6. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double everlasting joy, so be theirs. The whole world is blessed when we occupy our position in this realm. What are we doing? We are sitting here counting down the days till our escape Card gets pulled, we get raptured, and we can finally tell Dandoval, see, see, all that wasted preaching and breath. I knew to give you the left foot of ministry, Dandoval. It's ridiculous. See, I want to vomit sometimes at people's escapist mentality and theology. It's just, it, it's so contradictory to the actual agenda and frequency of heaven right now. God didn't put you here to escape or to bail you out of what the devil managed to conquer. See, God is putting you here to laugh. The the Lord sits in the heavens and laughs and holds his enemies in derision. You know why God holds his enemies in derision? Because his sons and daughters manifest. (laughs) And when we step into our seat, they're in derision and we're enforcing it. Bringing heaven and earth into alignment. That's our agenda right now. And in the context of us fulfilling our assignment, there will be a day when Jesus returns and finishes the job. But before his return, I promise you, there will be sheep nations which will exist at the arrival of Jesus. You know why I know this? Because the Bible says, when, Matthew 25 verse 31, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory, 
and the holy angels with him. Then he shall sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats, and he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say to them on the right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. In other words, there will be people that do not know Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior at the end of the age, but at his return, they will enter the kingdom in the millennial reign as citizens, not because of salvation by faith through Jesus Christ, but because the sons and daughters of God manifested and terraformed those nations, and therefore there will be a transition into the next age by mortal men, which will repopulate the earth. And I tell you, if you don't understand that, and that's just like, oh man, that's the... <laughs> You just took me to the to the moon and back on that one, Dandeval. Get the course, kingdom and the end times, because this, this is where I break it down from beginning to end. There's so much theology in that course that helps you to understand the context. God needs you for this season, and he needs you unlocked. He needs you understanding. He needs you to get postured like Esther got postured. Let me help you. Let me be a bit of a Mordecai to you and tell you, we're in a different season now. And there is a strategy coming from heaven that doesn't look like a strategy that was being used in 1850 or in 1730. And this strategy is for possibly, and I believe likely, the most powerful company of people to ever walk the earth in a single generation. The Bible says in Revelation eleven fifteen, the seventh angel sounded and there were voices in heaven saying the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. The verb have become in Revelation eleven fifteen is the, derived from the Greek word hinomai, ginomai, and it is represented in the English present perfect tense. The verb tense indicates an action that began in the indeterminable past, which occurred leading up and into the present moment. This means that the kingdoms of this world need to begin to become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ before Jesus returns. And as he returns, it will be said of the kingdoms of this world that they have become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ. They will begin with the children and they will finish with the Savior. There is so much to say. There's so much coming. There's so much I would like to tell you, but I'm going to stop. That's enough. I've, I, I, I've told you enough. Use the coupon code MIGHTYARMY, one word, MIGHTYARMY, in order to get the Kingdom of God and the End Times course at Bride Ministries Institute at 50% off. This is going to last two weeks from the time of the release of this podcast, and then that goes away. You have two weeks. 50% off with the coupon code Mighty Army. With that said, folks, I'm done. God bless and Godspeed. You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. This podcast is a production of Bride Ministries International. Visit our website at BrideMinistriesInternational.com to enjoy the Bride Ministries Church, the Bride Ministries Institute, free resources, and to support us financially.